Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Really, Riley? Are you ready? This is the Really Riley Podcast. Woo! Well, hello, beloveds. Happy Wednesday. I hope you guys are having a great start to your week. Um, it's been a really good one for me so far, except for the fact that I'm in tax hell with my husband right now. I mean, him so more than me, because I don't have a head for this kind of stuff, so he kind of just has to baby me through it. I'll get to all that in a minute, but welcome back to the Really Riley podcast. I know that I've said this a lot on the podcast, but like if you're new around here, I absolutely appreciate you listening to the podcast because so many of you, even some of my closest friends in the last couple of days have said like, I don't do podcasts, I don't listen to podcasts, but I'm addicted to yours. And that to me is just like lifeblood right now because this is the goal. This is the thing we want to take to infinity and beyond and such. And if you can't tell, I've been watching kids movies with my toddler the last week. Which it's so cute. Like uh, our youngest son, Malin, is watching Sing 2 right now. And he actually like sings to it. It's like, ooh, ooh. I'm not going to bore you with the mom stuff. At least not in this podcast. Um, have a little bit of a smorgasbord for you today. Um, we have a really sweet We Got This moment that, of course, made me cry. And I've got two Ask Riley's, which are pretty juicy and stuff. that I'm like, ooh, yes, we got to talk about that. At the very end... I'm going to chat with you guys a little bit about the Vanderpump Rules mid-season trailer that came out because I just wouldn't be me if I didn't talk about it. So I left that to the end and just in case you're not all about Vanderpump Rules or Bravo. We can't be friends. I'm joking, but I'll leave that to the end just in case you ain't all about that life. But even in the stuff that I'm going to talk about, like I, I have opinions for real life stuff. Projecting, as my husband says every time I watch Bravo. But I wanted to start out with something kind of light that I just kind of like found a few minutes ago, actually. It was a article off of this website, Woman on Top, that I love. It's like very empowering for women. And it says why you should have hobbies outside of work and find five fun ideas. I agree that work should not be your entire life. Like I'm relearning that because it was mine for 20 years. And I think it still is. I think that'll always be a part of my DNA. But they're saying that hobbies are essential. Hence, when I'm sitting here in this tax hell that I am in, my hobby ended up turning into my new business in my candles. Um, it's doing so well. And I thank you guys, everybody that has bought one, like you again are my lifeblood and you've, (laughs) you've helped us to not have to deplete our savings in this era of life. So I appreciate you. If you want to check them out, how by Riley at Instagram and the link to my shop is there. But um, they're saying in this article that hobbies are essential because it lets you get back in tune with your mind and body. I feel like every single hobby I've had in the last 18 years became part of my work because in radio, you know, you talk about who you are. So I guess I'm screwed in this because there's no separation. But seriously, like I became an ambassador for, you know, like 
One Life Gym and for uh, a company called Actaware, use code Riley. Their stuff is amazing, like butter. And side note for you guys that have been asking if I'm going to bring the Fave 5 back, yes, that is absolutely coming back, but we're working on a website so I can do a landing page for it. So you guys can go click the links. I'm very excited about that. Ah, be back with that, friends. Um, back to the article, though. It said that whatever your pastime requires physical or mental, whether your pastime requires physical or mental effort, it's good to have a break from your routine and do something that makes you happy. They're saying that it decreases cortisol levels. That's true, though. Like, even though that my candles are, like, sort of a business now, it's still my favorite thing to go down there and just, like, create, especially for people that have had a custom order and, like, we work together to, like, put it together. That's my favorite thing, like, especially because they're crystal manifestation candles. It's, like, my gift to you to help you get on the better track of life or something like that. Um but they said some of the benefits of having a hobby include having time to yourself, doing something you don't feel pressure to do. That was something that I had a, tr a trouble with when the business started taking off. And somebody said that too. They're like, you're going to find a little bit of sadness if you turn your hobby into or like your side hustle into a business because then it becomes a little bit of pressure. I haven't felt that completely yet, but I want everything to be perfect. I'm a perfectionist in a lot of things you know, in terms of business and in terms of, you know, things I can control anyway. So I, d I do believe that like it, it sometimes the pressure in a hobby or like sometimes you don't want to turn your hobby into a business because it puts pressure on it. Me, on the other hand, I like making y'all candles. Um, it says it alleviates stress by creating something new. Yes. Very, very true. Like when you have that, that sense of like, yeah, I just did that. Like, I think that's really cool. Like when Marshall put together or refurbished lyrics desk that's in his room like that was something that he could clear his headspace and just zone out on that and not have to worry about anything else um losing weight gaining muscle or maintaining your physical your physique through active hobbies well yes the gym is my active hobby my therapy my home away from home the reason i don't go around smacking people <laughs> agreed um resting your brain by doing something familiar with low stakes a fucking men because i don't ever rest my brain I, I was literally telling my chiropractor today, Dr. Spencer, Spencer Chiropractic in Rockville. Oh my God, they're so good. He's so good. Got that good, good crack. Um, but resting your brain by doing something familiar with low stakes, it's like, I don't ever rest. Like I told him today that like the only time times I rest is when I'm getting dry needled. If you know, you know, it's bomb. Whole another podcast for that. Or if I'm getting my lashes done. Because it's the only time like my hands are not moving or I can't be by my phone or I'm not talking to somebody or moving or having a toddler hanging off of me. So yes, I think that's very, very, very important. Because yes, I do that in the gym, but I'm still concentrating on my form and making sure I don't drop the weight or drop a kettlebell on my head. But in this article, the interesting hobbies to try cracked me up because they're supposed to be low pressure, right? Learning a, a new language. Okay. They say to be able to fluently speak multiple languages, you have to think the language in your head as you're speaking it, as if you would your native language. <laughs> that doesn't sound easy to me at all. And then there's another one that's hiking in new places. I do like this, but then that would require like being able to find said new places, go to the new places, make sure you're safe in said new places. So that one's actually not that stressful. Playing an instrument? No. Like learning a new instrument, that doesn't sound de-stressing to me. Mastering photography, I actually did this for a little while when my first engagement broke up and I was looking for something to clear my mind because it was like I wanted to create beauty out of something shitty. And for me, if I was like creating something, that was fun for me. Like I think I have a good eye for photography, 
maybe not the actual editing of it, or I have a good eye for what I think looks good in a photo. And other photographers have told me the same thing. So I might be full of shit, but you know, I digress. Creating a garden. Okay, I do not have a green thumb. One of my favorite people in the world, one of my friends, Rachel, has the greenest thumb ever. Like I kill succulents. That's supposed to be the easiest plant ever to keep alive and I overwater them. They die in like five months. So I don't know that I'm going to be creating a garden. Having said all that, they said having a hobby can change your life. They said it's something that's just done for you and it equates to building a passion that can keep you happy through the dark times. Mm. Yeah. They said you can't just rely on your job. You have to do something creative to boost your mood. Starting a hobby is easier than you think. All it takes is some dedication and you're on the way. What do I mean? Well, hold up. Like it's telling you do something easy and low pressure, but have dedication. I agree in dedication in, in almost everything that I do. Big, small, parenting, even like fashion. Marshall will laugh at me though. I am dedicated to a look coming together no matter how simple it is. And that was honestly, if there was any low pressure hobby I have that didn't turn into something that had to do with my career, well, I guess that's bullshit too. It's fashion because, hey, Riley Couture and the Fave Five started with fashion but for me, like putting together an outfit for say like date night and a look, I know that's gonna people that's not a hobby, Riley. Yeah, it is. Like seeking out the perfect outfit, especially if it's not online and in a store, that's like cardio. Joking. Friends, don't bite me. But yeah, I just really like that article that I wanted to share with you. Just because I do think it's important to do for you. But I don't know that some of those examples were the best. <laughs> um but without further ado, I wanted to give you this We Got This moment that I got from a listener fam. That's what I'm going to call you guys besides my beloved listener fam because I don't like fan mail. We talked about this in the last podcast because that seems so superficial, but fam, listener fam. Anyway, this listener fam wrote in, hi, Riley. I had a major epiphany We Got This moment. So again, if you guys are new here, We Got This has been my credo, my mantra, my catchphrase, my hashtag for about seven years. I went over this whole thing in like the first podcast and I started giving you guys, you know, stories that you sent me in your We Got This moments. And I love this because this is so empowering and so inspirational to me when I hear yours. So I had a major epiphany, We Got This moment. This past year has been a whirlwind. Having a baby in April, battling postpartum depression and anxiety, medication, friends not understanding why I'm acting, quote, different, People I trusted trying to sabotage my work. Huh. Like I said, whirlwind. I was talking to my mom about it all and I kept saying, mom, they keep trying to knock me down, but I keep, I'm going to keep standing. Yes, boo. I know that life. If I can get through growing a human, mm -hmm, 21 hours of labor. Oh, bless you, mama. Pushing him through my vajayjay. Hmm. Hitting rock bottom mentally twice in six months. Yeah. And everything else, I can get through this. I'm a motherfucking warrior. Yes, you are. And I will stand every time. They will not keep me down. Not only do we got this, but I got this. You're such an inspiration, and I hope to be half the badass, empowering woman you are. Thank you for everything. Your voice matters. Don't let anyone silence it because you got this. Girl, I am framing this. Like, I'm going to put this in my office anytime I am in a bad mood along with all of the other amazing things that you guys have sent me to remind me of who the fuck I am. I keep telling everybody, like you see that thing on TikTok that it's just like, this is my villain era. I don't know about all that, but this is my era of empowerment and I'm done playing small. But I love this because 
what she wrote here is so poignant in so many ways. Like battling postpartum depression and anxiety and the roller coaster that is the medication, like antidepressants that you have to do to fix that. I didn't fix any of that either time that I had postpartum with both of my sons. With Lyric, I had it and I actually went into a lot of this in other podcasts, um, but it's horrible. Like you feel like the worst person in the world and you feel like you're crazy and you feel like you're a bad mom and what's wrong with you that you're supposed to be in this sense of euphoria and all you want to do is curl up in a ball and never come out or worse. And those of you that have gone through postpartum know the or worse. Um, but that mental kick in the ass really sucks and a lot of people don't understand it. And then you add to that people being like, oh, well, you're not your formal self. Well, duh. I just cooked a human for half, you know, the better part of a year, pushed it out and the trauma that does to your body and you don't want me to act different? Okay. And then the sabotaging the work, like, eh. yeah, it's, it's awful because like you're supposed to separate work and your other life. But like I said, in that other, you know, having a hobby can change your life article that I just read. Sometimes the worlds come together and collide and you can't separate them. And those people are supposed to be like having your back and you're supposed to be a team and you're supposed to be doing this together and you put your whole soul into whatever project, like show, you know, what competition, whatever. Like you put your soul into it if you're anything like me, which it sounds like she is. And then they fuck you. It's such a mind screw. Like it's, it's like a breakup, but it wasn't like, a breakup you asked for it wasn't like a relationship you asked for or something like that it's like people trying to knock you down when you're at your weakest is disgusting like when you've just had a baby yeah you're empowered because you're a mother and you find new strength and all of that but it's just like what they say like when family life is going really well like work life tends to teeter or suck and when people come in and they prey on that in you and you're weakest times or the time that you're most vulnerable I should probably say because that's not weak but vulnerable bullshit garbage but I really love this attitude that you got babe that you're saying this will not keep me down like nah nah boo 23 is my year to be Jordan check out the um turning pain into creativity podcast if you're questioning what that one is but yes I'm so proud of you so, so proud of you. I'm sending you a big old fat hug from me to you. And speaking of hugs, you guys, today I was over um, at the HomeSense store in Rockville. If you haven't been, go. It's like a smaller home goods, but cheaper and like more random stuff, but like stuff that you can't find everywhere. And I love that. A listener came up to me today and she's like, are you Riley? And obviously, like I'm not on terrestrial radio anymore. So there's a piece of me that sometimes is just like, Oh, me. Yeah, you still like me. You know, so the shock on my face sometimes, like my they, people, she emailed me later, like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to disturb you. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're never disturbing me. If you ever see me in person, I want you to come up to me and say hi, talk to me because I want to give you a hug. I mean, that's just that's just me. It always makes me sad when people are just like, oh, I, I was going to say hi to you, but I figured it was rude. No, I'm a person and I bleed just like everybody else. And I want to say hi to you, damn it. Especially now. <laughs> um. But that was a whole random side note. I guess I will, without further ado, move on to Ask Riley. If you're new around these parts, again, 
it's a bit that we used to do on the radio where I talk about everything and anything that you guys want to know because I don't hold back. As much as you guys sometimes in the reviews have been like, oh, you're wishy-washy on this or that or da 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 Y'all, if I can talk about it, I have. If I can't talk about it, I've alluded, you know? <laughs> Read between the lines. So I'm not wishy-washy about anything. Um, so whatever you want to ask, by all means, ask me. There is only one subject in this world that I have never touched on air. Give me 11 years. Um, but without further ado, I have a couple of Ask Riley's here that I think are so, so, so good. So this is a girl that I love and I've talked to her many a times. We're pretty good friends on Instagram. I've had her on the podcast before and I don't want to give it all away, but there's a certain bit that I'm bringing back because of this girl. But she said, Riley, you mentioned in one episode about post-wedding depression that brides get. It sounds like a lot of newly engaged folks like to follow you like myself. I wonder if they'd also be interested in hearing more about your experience. I know I'd love to hear more. I'm worried I'll have post-wedding depression. What was your experience and how did you deal with it? Did I ever? Um, for me, post-wedding depression was like I was the girl that wanted to get married since I was four years old. Like my sister in her matron of honor speech talked about it that like I used to sit on the floor at JCPenney looking at the bridal magazines as my mom tried on clothes. Like I, my, one of my wedding rings and like my wedding stack, like, cause I have the eternity band for the wedding and then I had my engagement ring and I wanted just like a gold spacer band in between. And I was scouring everywhere for like a vintage bobble and I couldn't find anything I liked. And I'd had this band since I was eight years old, just a simple gold wedding band. Technically it was vintage now. Um, and I was like, I want to wear this. So yeah, like that's how long I've wanted to get married. I used to wear that when I was eight years old and pretend like I was married, like Barbie and Ken wedding and all that. So I wanted this for my entire life. I went through the most horrible relationship of my adult life, almost marrying twice someone that I was engaged to. Like we got engaged after about nine months of knowing each other. It was the most physically and emotionally abusive relationship I've ever been through and I wanted to get married so fucking bad that I was willing to just take everything. And again, this might be another podcast to talk about that. But if you guys haven't heard it on the air, a lot of you have. But I almost married. He, he proposed twice. Like after he called off the first wedding, three months later, we planned another one. And then he left me after that. Needless to say, I didn't want to get married until it was the right thing. So when it came time to get married to Marshall, it was like, Oh my God, you know, call me princess die. I don't give a shit because I, nobody else paid for it, but us. And I tried to be the most gracious bride I possibly could. And I was like, so excited for this, not just because of a, it was a day, but because I was marrying my person. I was wearing Marshall and we had a little bit longer of a road than we expected when we got married. Cause we got engaged after six months and we were planning on getting married a year later. So pandemic hits. But thankfully enough, we didn't call it off because of the pandemic, which, you know, we could have still gone through with the wedding, but I got pregnant with Malin and I wanted to wear the dress that I had already bought. And, you know, I don't drink, so it wasn't about the alcohol, but you know, I didn't want to be pregnant getting married. I don't like being pregnant and don't hate on me. There's another podcast about that. A couple down too. not every, not pre I love my babies. I love what my body did, but I don't like being pregnant, but I 
wanted the shebang. I wanted the whole big thing. And when you plan sometimes, like for us, we got married in uh, almost two years ago now, my God, in uh, September of 21. And we were supposed to get married in 2020. So it was a very big, not only was my whole life lead up, you know, since little girls staring at the bridal magazines, but it was a very big lead up that, you know, we were completing our family. We had Malin with us. He was five months old when we got married. My son, Lyric, you know, it was like putting everything together. Marshall made vows to Lyric. It was just, I had everything down to the T. I got everything that I wanted and the photography and the food. And there was a whole debacle about the venue that, you know, they switched owners and then they were trying to charge us more. So there was, we thought we were going to lose our perfect venue, which is where I had my vision board event late recently. Um, so that place was ultra special to us. Needless to say, like there was so much lead up that went into this for me and for any bride, obviously without all that drama or without all that back and forth of replanning and all that, you dream about this. You spend a lot of freaking money on this. Like our wedding wasn't cheap by any means, but it wasn't the most expensive wedding either, you know, like, but it was still a damn lot of money. You know, a lot of people spend two down payments on a house and a wedding or a house, depending on who you are. I don't have that money, but it was my dream, dream moment. And especially living it on the air with you guys, it was like even more so special because it was like, I'd spent years being on the air with like co-hosts that got engaged and being like very bitter because at that time I didn't, I didn't have my catchphrase that, you know, jealousy is, jealousy is a useless emotion because it is because you never know what's going on in somebody else's life. But I just, it was the culmination of so much. And for me, it's not the same thing, but bear with me here. I equate it to like Olympians when they get a gold medal when they're like 15. How do you get any bigger than that? in a career. So it was kind of more of a double whammy for me too, because when I got married, I was like, damn, we did it all already because we had the baby together. We bought our house before the wedding, bought and built our house before the wedding and had the baby before the wedding. So when I say that I like live a weird road. I don't know about weird, but I don't, I don't do it by the books as they say, which I don't even really know what that means anymore. But what I thought was you meet, you get engaged, you're together for like four years, two years, whatever many years we we're together for six months before we got engaged, you get married, then you buy a house and you buy a baby. We did it all discombobulated in terms of that, like on paper, perfect way to do things, which I don't believe in perfect either. But for me, it was kind of like, bah, bah, bah. like the minute we came back from our little mini moon, like we didn't even get to go on a honeymoon. That's okay though. Like we will someday. We want to go to Greece, but we have Malin instead. So very fair trade. Um, we went on a little mini moon to St. Michael's and it was perfect. It was the first time in forever that we could relax and it was so beautiful. We did nothing but eat and do the things married people do. And it was just this sweet little, you know, vintage town when we went antiquing so we were very relaxed after a lot of stressful months and you come back and it's just real life especially when you have kids you know real wonderful life being his wife but I had this like post-wedding letdown that I was just like Meh, you know because there was no more like tastings there was no more putting the flowers together or you know doing your dress fittings or you're a missus all of a sudden but like you're not doodling your name down anymore because it is your name now. And 
obviously there was other things to look forward to that kept me excited about it. You know, like getting the photos back and our wedding being featured in the Washingtonian and you know, then it was featured on Love Stories TV, like the Instagram that has like a bajillion wedding love stories on it. So all of that was like really exciting. Um, but then when it was done, I was like, oh my God, like I literally feel depressed. It's just, I haven't been to a wedding since, but somebody told me like that had gotten married the year before us that like when you go to a wedding right after, you're like, no, but it's supposed to be my day. You know, it was almost kind of weird too. The first time I went into vintage after the wedding that I was like, oh, but it's not our wedding. Like it's almost as if I didn't look at it the same. I got over that pretty quickly, but I started doing wedding jackets. Like if you guys remember the jackets, the bejewel jackets that I do or did, because I haven't, I'm not really doing them anymore, but I did those because I couldn't let go of like the wedding industry or like being around the wedding stuff, buying wedding stuff. So I started doing Mrs. Jackets or like wifey jackets because I made myself one for the honeymoon. I'm like, well, shit, I kind of like these. This is fun to do. So that obviously, remember the hobby article I was talking about, that became my hobby to keep my mind busy because there was no more appointments. There was no more checklists. And it's not like we weren't busy enough with two kids, but there's this weird standstill and it's you have all of these people there for you. Well, some more than others in my case, but like everybody's just treating you so special. And, you know, I am a person, honestly, because of the career that I've had, like big things would happen to me a lot, you know, big monumental things because of the career that I have. But personally, it wasn't really like that. I didn't have a lot of people around me, like always wanting to do things and always reaching out and making sure I was okay and seeing if they could do anything for me. I have the best friends in the world, but they got kids too. You know, we all live in different states. So it's not like they're, you know, asking me if they can do anything for me every three days. And all of that slows down and stops. And yes, you're so happy that you're married, but it's this weird, like eerie quietness. And then also I had the added brouhaha of dealing with family issues. I've done a couple of these podcasts on toxic family relationships and it was sad because I was supposed to be so happy at this time, but then I was dealing with all the bullshit that people had done. Some of the closest people of my life were treating me like shit during my wedding. And I know that your wedding is not as important to everyone else as it is important to you, but I have a very small family. There's only like 10 of us. So you would think at least those people would be put their egos away enough to realize that it's not about you for just this one day. Like I didn't make like a weekend out of it. You know, like I had a dinner rehearsal and the wedding. I didn't make everybody like jump through a bunch of hoops, be there on time to the dinner rehearsal. They were like 45 minutes late. And then everybody was all pissed off because my mom was walking me down the aisle versus my mom's husband. It's been around for 20 years. I named my son after him, Lyric Matthew. But I had my reasons and they know them. We're not going to get into them. But also my mom was the OG single mama and I wanted her to do it. And also who the fuck are you to ask what I want on my wedding day? <laughs> Whole another tangent. But it was all of these feelings going from like pure elation of the day to stillness and kind of sorrow at the way that people that were supposed to care, of us, care about us showed their asses. And I think a lot of this post-wedding depression has to do sometimes with you seeing people's true colors 
in the time where they're supposed to be the happiest ever for you. And I know that some of that sounds like, oh, when you're any, like, you know, it sounds like you're just this like bridezilla. No, it wasn't like that. But a lot of these people that were acting like assholes, I had been there for them on their day. I had been there and been gracious and been nothing but supportive. So where, what's, what's that, what happened with you? You know, so it was weird. And post-wedding depression is a true thing. I don't mean to be dramatic and be like that it's just like so horrible that, oh my God, you wouldn't want to get married or poor me. It's not that, but it is true like to feel these things. And like I always say, I like to talk about the things that people don't like to talk about because somebody's going to hate on it. Somebody's going to be a freaking Karen in the comments and that's okay. I don't care. I'm not scared of that anymore, but it's true. It's a thing and it's okay to feel that way. You know, like I always say like, Feel your feelings in a very like feeling. My, my husband always says like feelings are not facts, but in this way, it's that's kind of untrue. It's just like this is how you feel, and it is a weird like letdown when it's all over. So yeah, post wedding depression is a damn thing. So I would say at that point, yeah, maybe get yourself happy. I sound so stupid saying that, but like it will subside because it does subside now. I may or may not put my wedding dress on from time to time and just prance around with it. And I need to get that sucker preserved. But, you know, I may or may not have watched my wedding video 18,000 times and I may or may not watch it every time I'm mad at my husband. But, you know, it, it eventually you do like live in the memories. And I love to watch the videos back because it puts me right back in that place. So the good news is if you preserve your memories right with, photography and video, if you can, oh my God, do it. I don't care if it's somebody in the corner of the room with the iPhone, please document it because pictures are beautiful and wonderful. But the video, like, I don't remember exactly what Marshall said. Well, I do too, because I've watched the video a billion times, but that's why I remember it. Anywho, please. Moving on to the next Ask Riley. Um, I love this family so much, by the way. Um, hey, Riley, um, as you already know, my wife is a plus size influencer and she's freaking goals, by the way. So successful, so driven, so beautiful, and a mom of three now, by the way. Their youngest is like two or three months old. Um, we have three beautiful little girls. There you go. And she's, she has she has a mommy pooch. And that's them saying that, not me. She says, now she's always, now she's always been thick, and I love that. And he does. I wouldn't want to change her, but she's always getting body shamed on social media. She doesn't have a problem with it because it's social media and there's always hate, but I do have a problem with it. Just hurts that some people in this world will put a person down by the way they look. Have you ever been body shamed? If so, how did you deal with it? It's driving me crazy. Love ya, the Izzy fam. So they have like a bajillion followers between TikTok and Instagram. So there's a lot of the little fucking trolls that like to come out and they have to deal with it a lot. Like, um, it's gross. I've seen some of the comments and I just, I want to come to the screen because they're a Latino family and so am I. And they love people like no other. They're so welcoming to anyone and everyone. They're so helpful. They're just beautiful people. So yeah, when these people come at her like this, I'm like, you know, you fuck off. Like wh who hurt you, bruh? It's so disgusting. And I don't think it's ever okay. You know, Lyric, my seven-year-old came to me today and he was telling me about somebody that was like super funny in the school and that was his favorite person and he's seven, mind you. And this is where kids kind of start to get mean or some of the kids in his school are. And he was like, mommy, I was like, okay, well, what does he look like? Do I know him? And he was like, well, mommy, I, he, he, I'm like, what baby? You know, I'm starting to freaking freak out. I'm like, is there something weird there? 
And he's like, well, I don't want to say it because I don't, I don't think it's very nice. And I was like, well, just tell me because that way I can guide you through it. And, you know, he said, well, he's kind of fat. And I was like, okay, we don't use that word. I was like, we could use like a bigger person, a plus size person. Cause he doesn't understand that. He doesn't understand that. So I tried my best to say, well, he's got a bigger body frame Maybe I should look this up. Maybe I didn't explain that the best because that word's not allowed in this family at all because every body size, not to sound like a pageant queen, is beautiful. It is. And we're a fitness family. You know, it's about like health and wellness for us, strong, not skinny type thing. I don't think that's ever fucking okay because if you weren't as strong of a person that this didn't bother you, you could mess somebody's psyche up in so many ways and it's not for you to do that because if you're going to pick somebody else apart on social media, I want you to go and stand in a mirror naked and show me every part of you that's perfect because I doubt you can do that. I'm not saying there's not perfect parts on everybody. I'm saying if you are this Adonis that was carved out of gilded gold from the heavens and there's not one flaw on you, okay, then you can go talk, talk shit about other people's body. Until then, shut the fuck up. I said what I said. But... Have I ever been body shamed? Okay. I've talked about this before a little bit. Um, and I got flack for it. <sighs> because I'm a person that I grew up very active. I was a ballerina for 10 years, a cheerleader for 10, seven, and a gymnast for like two or three. So I was always very active. So I was always very small. Um, I developed really early though. When I was young, I was like a 34C at eight. So I don't know if it was shaming, maybe a little bit because I overdeveloped before other little girls do. And still to this day, I have this issue with my boobs because my real name is Raquel and people either purposely didn't pronounce it or didn't know how to pronounce it. So it's not Raquel, it was Raquel. So they would be like, oh, Rocky, hey, Rocky Mountains, like talking about my boobs. And I was always so very like self-conscious about that. So I don't know if that's shaming. I don't know if that counts. But I was very much made fun of for that. And it was like I would never not wear a bra anywhere in terms of like my bathing suits always had to be like tied and pulled and tucked so tight that like they had to be perky. And I wanted fake boobs for the longest. Like that was a life goal for a long time. And a I mean, if I wasn't so scared that they'll go bad inside of me and like I'll get sick because of them, I probably still do it. So no shame about anybody that has any augmented breasts at all. Um, but the other way that I felt a little, I guess, body shamed, if this counts, but I think it does because all bodies are different and haters are going to hate no matter if you are big, medium, small, whatever, you know, category you put yourself in. Um a lot of times it was always like, oh, you're so skinny. You can eat. Eat that. You know what I mean? You don't want to have a donut. I eat, fuckers. Okay? It was like if I was, you know, trying to hit a strength goal because with fitness, there's like a bulking phase where you eat a shit ton and you bulk up and then there's like a trim down phase where you're trimming down that and you look a little smaller than other things. It's a cycle. And... There were times like, you're so skinny. I mean, God, you're da-da-da. And I 
was at the space for me where I was like, fuck off. You know, like I wasn't shook by that. But some people can be. It's like you can give somebody like a complex that they're like too skinny, too big, whatever. So I don't know if you categorize that as body shaming me, but what else would you say? You know, I haven't felt uncomfortable in my own skin in a very long time because I work really hard on my body no matter what it looks like. And this body that I have built is perfect for me and I'm good with it. I love my body. My husband loves my body. I'm good with it. And anybody that has a problem with, you know, the way I maintain it, whether I eat donuts or not, which I do, strawberry frosted from Dunkin' Donuts, my favorite. Anyway, um, I don't care. But when I think about like body shaming, it hasn't happened to me, but I know some people in my family, you know, because I grew up very critical, Puerto Rican, Catholic, Latina family with a lot of Virgos in there. And yeah, like I was okay in my family, but there were certain other family members that weren't like, it was almost as if they were like less than because they weren't a certain size. You know, my mother is very beautiful. I mean, she's going to be 68 years old. Doesn't look a day over 50. No lie. Didn't get work done until she was like 55. Like she only has ever had Botox. Um, but very tiny, like 95 pounds soaking wet, always very skinny. And that was like almost the standard to look up to. And I got her body stature just with a lot bigger boobs. Um, then my children have sucked the life out of them now. But at one point, they were nice. But I never thought that because of what the shit that people had said to me when I was a kid. Um, but it was the standard to be skinny. Not strong, skinny in my family. Count calories, you know, crash diet. Oh, I have an event coming up. I have to lose 10 pounds. It wasn't like a lifestyle. It was just always like, you know, I need to fit into this dress, so I'm going to lose weight, not I want to feel good in my own skin. So they never did it to me, but it was always very apparent in life. And it's just not ever something you do unless you're a gross ass person. And if you go that far as to do it on a computer, and especially if you ask got a fake profile or like one of those profiles where you're just watching and commenting dirty shit, dude, y'all got some bad karma coming your way. And I'm not the person that likes to push karma around, even though I have my karma can of collection. I don't, I don't tolerate people being mean for no damn reason, especially to people like that. You can kind of tell these people are my friends too, because it's just, I know who they are as people inside. And you've got to be ugly as hell inside and outside. I don't care how beautiful you are. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole. And that's just never cool. And I mean, I'm the person that'll go so far as to like quip right back at you. I know a lot of people have said, don't feed into the bully situation. Like don't feed into the trolls because that will only fuel them more. But I'm not that person that backs off a lot and just lets it go. I mean, I have a lot of times because I can tell when some people are just like off their fucking rocker. And they'll say things about, like, my children. No, that's the one I do go for. But, like, they'll say things that are really awful about me. Like, I don't know if this counts also as body shaming, but I remember I had somebody 
come after the mole that's on my face. Like I have a mole on the right side of my chin. It's not the smallest. It's not the biggest. People have said I should get it removed for years. I've had it tested over and over and over for anything and it's always come up fine. And I, it's like a Sarah Jessica Barker mole. And I know that she had hers removed, but I don't know. I like it on my face. I think it makes it different. I like that it's there. And I remember somebody said once, you know, or they texted in once or something like that, left a comment at the radio station saying, like, you should have a rat and all that thing off your face. It's from a movie, Uncle Buck, I think it is. But I can't remember if that's the actual movie. But that one hurt. I don't know why. That one of all the things, because it's my face. It's the first thing you see. And I don't know why that one bothered me so much. It's not exactly body shaming, but image. I don't know what you would call that. Um, But that to this day still bugs me a little bit. But honestly, it propels me even further that I'm never going to get that fucking thing removed. I'll stick it right in your face. Here, touch it. (laughs) You know, like, it's funny that, like, Malin, my two-year-old, doesn't know what that is. And Lyric, my seven-and-a-half-year-old, used to do this, too, that, like, they would pull on it. They're babies. They don't know. But every time they do that, it reminds me of that comment. So in a sense, that person like lives rent free in my head a little bit, not on a day-to-day basis, not more than 30 seconds, but when stories like this come up, it is there, the things that people have said, those comments about my boobs, I was like eight, nine, maybe 12. And then, you know, maybe TMI, but like sexually, I've always been very self-conscious of them, you know. Not with Marshall, and this is how I kind of, my husband, and this is how I knew that, like, we were meant for each other, the way he made me feel so beautiful in my own skin, or that I was also so confident in myself before I met him that I could accept him saying that I was beautiful and believe him. Um, I used to have boyfriends that were, I was with them for two, three years before they would actually see my boobs, before I would take my bra off during sex. Like, what? You've you've been we've been together two years and you I can't see your, your tatas? What? So those things stick with people. As strong minded as I am, and as much as I'm that person that'll tell you fuck you to your face, it sticks with you. It breaks some and just annoys other. Whatever the, the barometer is of what you said or the barometer of the person's tolerability to your assholeness, don't do it. It ain't cool and it doesn't make you anything other than an idiot, period. Because I know that it sounds so hokey pokey, but you know what? If we were meant to all be the same size and standard of things, we would have been made that way. It's so annoying. It's just like, what? what is this? Like before the Kardashians made curvy cute, like this is 1992 where everybody's got to be a stick. What was that era? Like of Kate Moss, like the heroin chic shit, like that one cute. And if you'd seen this woman, she is gorgeous her smile is so fucking radiant it's like get away leave my girl alone or anybody knock it off it's awful and I just I can't say enough about what an idiot you are if you do this like I said I wish there was like some sort of public trial that people could do like if you violate so many times on Instagram that you got to go stand like body shaming, that you got to go like stand naked in front of everybody and let everybody pick apart your entire like orifice. Ew, that was a gross word. Anyway, 
stop it. That's my take on that. Like, I just can't deal either. So, love you, Izzy fam. Screw the haters. Legit screw them. So now that I have stepped off of my soapbox there, remember when I warned you guys about talking about Vanderpump Rules because I'm going to go into it right now. So the whole scandal with Tom Sandoval and Raquel Levis. Side note, I said in the beginning, I was like, you're giving Raquel's a bad name, Raquel. Well, technically her name is not Raquel, it's Rachel, but whatever, because that's the Americanized version of my name. Do you, boo? Not name shaming you, if that's an even a thing. But they released for Vanderpump Rules a mid-season trailer, and oh my God. Like, not a whole lot shocks me being in, you know, terrestrial radio for 20 years of my life and being, you know, best friends with males for most of my life. I mean, I've always been one of the people that's been, I, I like to say things to shock other people, but, you know, especially with entertainment and the editing and stuff like that, but this, holy fuck. So, quick backstory, if you're not filled in, like, the castmates have been around each other for years and years and years. Raquel Levis is like one of the newer ones. She was engaged to this guy, James Kennedy. They broke up. So the other couple that's involved in this, actually there's three. There was Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox. They've been together 10 years. She didn't want to get married, didn't want to have kids, but they bought a house together and had like basically vowed to stay together forever. Tom Sandoval did. The biggest narcissist of 2023, if not the last decade. But then there is um, Tom Schwartz, his best friend. They have restaurants together that... He was married to Katie Maloney. They're in the filming of this recent season. They're technically not divorced yet. So Raquel Levis was dared by Sheena Shea, who also at one point was a homewrecker. She said that herself because she broke up Eddie Sibrian's marriage to, oh, Brandy Glanville. She was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills with Lisa Vanderpump. She, they, she was the, the mistress in that situation. So this is what's dirty about that is that she was coaxing Raquel Levis to make out with Tom Schwartz. And they're not like Katie and Tom were trying to be like friendly. And Katie had always said, like, just don't hook up with anybody in the group, which is kind of bullshit because you can't dictate who does what. It is girl guy code or whatever. But apparently nobody paid attention to that because it came out that Tom Sandoval, the one that was with Ariana Maddox, has been cheating with Raquel Levis for the past like eight or nine months, or at least that's how long it was when filming was going on. So this means this bitch Raquel had been hanging around filming and crying to Ariana Maddox about her problems in the series or in this season. She did in fact make out with Tom Schwartz, Katie Maloney's soon to be at the time ex-husband. She was doing her hoochie mama thing there, but then all while having a full blown like relationship with Tom Sandoval. From Ariana Maddox. I hope you guys have tuned out if you don't understand this series or you need to go watch it because I know this is a lot of brouhaha. But Andy Cohen came out last week saying that last Wednesday's episode wasn't edited because Raquel was with Lala on the cast and Lala just was in that big scandal with her like Harry Weinstein-esque ex-fiance baby daddy and all the drama that was there. They're broken up or whatever. And... Lala says to her after a drunken night in Vegas, she was like, you know what? She's like, I think you're cool. I'm glad you're having fun. Your engagement just broke off. But she's like, girl, you know what? You drunk, I wouldn't bring you around my man. And she looks at her wasted face. And this is a beauty queen. So she was like so sloppy. And like, we've all been there. I have been there so many more times than this girl probably has. But it was just a gross moment because of what she said. She's sitting there with her 
plop of food. It's like, ugh. And she's like eating it, getting all over the bed. And she's like, after Lala said she wouldn't trust her drunk with her man, she was like, oh, it's a good thing you don't have a man to bring around. Oh, my God. Props to you, Lala. Because she's like two years into her sobriety and she's the one not to fuck with. I would have, oh, my God. I would have choked that girl. Maybe not today. Maybe former, like, hold my hoochie hoops Riley probably would have. Today I would have done what Lala did. Like, girl, you just got to go. You got to sober up. But now in the context of hearing that she's done this to Ariana Maddox, like that was her man of 10 years. That's no chump change, right? They didn't want to get married, but they were basically married. I don't even know if that's a state where you have, like, the common law thing, if that's even a thing anymore. Because it used to be, like, I don't know what states it is, but it's like seven years you're together and then it's like you're kind of basically married anyway in the eyes of the law if you break up in terms of assets. But in feelings, though. And then it's come out that they, ugh, that they slept together in Tom and Ariana's house. Ew. And this is where my husband says I project. I'm like, I told Marshall yesterday, I was like, if you ever did this in our home, oh my God, I would, oh my God, I would ruin you. I was like, I would, you're, you would never recognize it again. Your member would not work ever again. And I would leave you scars to prove it. That sounds so evil, but I'm just like, who does that? It's so gross. And then there's all these clips of Tom Sanderville from years ago when his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, Kristen, had cheated on him with Jax in their house, in their apartment. He's like, there's consequences to that. I just would never do that. Well, flash forward 10 years, and Ariana Maddox is a fucking hottie. Hottie boom baladi, like, oh, and I know, like, it's not about, like, how hot they are, how not they are. It, it's not about that when you cheat. I understand that. It's a psychological thing. Because now, it's not necessarily that, just a psychological thing, but that's what some people say. It's about the power trip of it. It's about being wanted. It's about lust and whatever. It's not about what you look like. But this mid-season trailer, oh, my God, I squealed when I saw it because – I don't know if this is stuff that Bravo has recorded recently and they're just kind of like fast forwarding it to now because it's the topic of the moment because it's been found out. But there's been all this stuff about like Tom and, and uh, Rachel or Raquel, whatever her name is, like wearing lightning bolt necklaces so that when they're away from each other, it's like them telling each other like, hey, boo, still love you. Like if they're filming with other people, like i.e. Ariana, his girlfriend. Ew. But in the video, in the mid-season like trailer, you can see Tom wearing this lightning bolt necklace. And then it's a conversation between him and Ariana where like she's basically like confronting him about this. He says like, you know, can I get you anything? And she's like, I just want you to die. Or like, you know, yeah. Or you need anything? She goes, yeah, for you to die. Yeah, I know. That would be like me too. But we're going to see it all. We see she's going to get married. We see her talking about how much rage she had in her. I guess it's like giving weight to the rumors or at least the allegations that she punched Raquel in the face, which there was also all these stories coming out that there was like video of her with the supposed bruise that she accused Cena of giving to her like weeks before that. Oh my God, y'all, it's juicy. And when I say juicy, like I don't really get into many shows like that, having had to like report on it and like do it for work for so many years gosh oh my god like and katie katie maloney tom schwartz's ex-wife is all over instagram being like i'm gonna light your asses on fire and i would too like that's so gross and ariana maddox also let's put this added layer to it 
has openly dealt with anxiety, depression, like bad depression. Her dad passed away while she was with Tom. Like she's opened up about, um, I think certain sexual issues because of the fact that her ex like did such a number on her, like saying really bad, like body shaming her vagina. Like who does that? You know, so then Tom has been with her for 10 years and knows all the things about her. And then is then going to go cheat on her. And what's horrible is in this clip, he's like justifying certain things saying like, Oh, I mean having sex like two, three times in two years I mean, I do agree that if that's the amount of sex that you're having, there's something that needs to be discussed or fixed or you break up, you don't go fuck somebody else in your house together, sir. And then don't justify it. Ugh. I mean, I'm like intrigued and disgusted to watch this all at the same time. But then at the very end of the clip, you see Lisa Vanderpump like having them all together in like a meeting. I don't know what it's all about because they don't all work for her anymore. Maybe it's just a party. And she's like, you will learn to deal with your problems. I'm like, oh, shit. You got Lisa Vanderpump to cry? Y'all. If you've never seen it, you need to catch up. But I told you, I warned you that I was going to put this at the end of the podcast if you guys weren't into it. Because I don't want it all to be about just pop culture stuff because I like to talk about real shit too. Any bees. (laughs) I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. I will be back on Friday. And like I said before, lots of big things coming up. I am going to be doing a website that's going to have merch there. It's going to have um, a blog. It's going to have things coming up with me. Um, And I'm going to bring the Fave Five back and put it there. So that's coming, not Friday, but that's coming up. Um, But I will talk to you guys again on Friday. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. As per use, I like to hear your comments. I like to hear your concerns. Uh, DMs are always open at Riley Couture. Uh, that's Instagram and Facebook, R-I-L-E-Y, C-O-U-T-U-R-E. Um, Snapchat is at Radio Recon. TikTok is Riley Couture 7. Um, but yeah, make sure you like, make sure you comment, make sure you follow the podcast. I love you guys. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you Friday. It's really Riley. <laughs>